there's been a bit of talk about Star Wars recently, um, just to change the subject ever so slightly. Um, and, uh, I, but it is linked to what I want to talk about. Um, do you remember the first Star Wars movie? What was it called? A New Hope. Okay, now there's some people that have taken Star Wars to a whole new level, haven't they? And there's been debate recently about whether Jediism can be referred to as a religion. I don't know if you saw a programme about that. Um, and uh, our good Bishop of Chelmsford was uh, interviewed on that programme, talking about Christianity. And um, Anyway, this thing's a bit uncomfortable. It's a bit tight. Is, this, um, is there a way of loosening it off? My head's got bigger. Is that the problem? <laughs> That's better. There we go. You've got to be able to move when you're speaking, haven't you? Okay. Um, I wanted to talk this morning about hope. Um, we, hope is concerned with a, um, connecting where we are now to where we're going. And it's also connected to what we don't see. And we talk a lot about um, there's Christian virtues. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians about, at the, end, sorry, at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, at the end of the love passage, he talks about um, uh, faith, hope, and love remaining. Do you remember that? And we talk a lot about love and about faith. And I've just been thinking through the whole thing of hope because I think that hope has been a little bit misunderstood for us. In fact, I think that the way we understand hope should be different to what the world conventionally sees as hope. So I'm just going to explain that a little bit and um, hopefully turbocharge our hope. I want to ignite our hope this morning. Um, it's always interesting on a holiday week to try and think through what you preach on, knowing that there's some folk away. But I feel like this is a really important kind of word for us. And uh, so I'm just going to trust that other folk who are not here are going to listen to that in the future. But we this morning get to engage with this thing. And I think that it's relevant for you where you are. Okay? I certainly think as well it's relevant to us as a church family. Um, coming up to Easter as well. Easter being about hope and new life. Lots of people understand that, think along those kind of lines. We as a church, we, we could do with knowing our hope is sure and secure, couldn't we? We've, we you know, we're facing some difficult issues at the moment. Um, uh, we've, uh, as you know, we had to make a couple of people redundant um, in the church office, which is tough. You know, we are going through some tough things as a family. And uh, I don't want the, um, just on that note, the note about the redundancies thing, I know, we, obviously, I put out a communication by email. The only problem with putting things out by email is sometimes it becomes a bit of a taboo that we then don't talk about. And can I just say, let's just not have that at all. Um, so Jules and Ruth, we love them to bits, don't we? And what we want to do is to be gathering together as a church family, gathering around them, trusting God for what is next, knowing that he's got everything that we need. He is our hope. He's got all of the resources we need going forwards to see his kingdom come and to see our lives blessed and fulfilled and to see us not go without. So we want to just, I don't know, just be real and honest about that, don't we? And um, stand with um, Jules and Ruth. And, and actually for us as a church in difficult decisions that we, we found ourselves having to make um, that while we don't necessarily understand them, we totally trust God for the outcome, don't we? And uh, so it's a good thing that we f- fix our minds on, on some hope this morning. Would that be good? 
Um, I started off a few weeks ago, um, well, a couple of things. One is I preached recently from Colossians, and I said that I just felt like I wanted just to spend some time just going through Colossians, and I didn't know whether that would turn into a kind of a series that I do or whatever. This morning I want to sit in Colossians 1, so that's in and around where my head has been for the last um, little while on some of this stuff. Um, a few weeks ago I also preached... Um, about the story from Luke 24 um, with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Do you remember that? And there was just this little verse that has kind of come back to me a little bit, which is um, this moment where the disciples are relaying... So these two despondent, discouraged disciples are relaying to Jesus, who they don't realise is Jesus, on the road to Emmaus. They're, they're explaining to him what's been going on and why they're feeling the way they are. And there's this, this, these two verses where it says, um, so this is them speaking to Jesus. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. It just struck me as sad that these disciples have lost hope. Their hope had been dashed, hadn't it? And um, hope is a central thing to us as people. Even people outside the church understand that. There, is, um, there was an English poet a few hundred years ago, um, Alexander Pope, and he coined the phrase, hope springs eternal. And it is a, a true thing, isn't it? We will find things to hope for. Even if sometimes it's quite vain, even if it's, you know, we hope that a situation is going to shift or we hope that it's going to stop raining this <laughs> afternoon. We, we, and particularly in this country, we're great at hoping in things like that. We, you know, we will hope that even just in the weather, <laughs> find something, anything, just to put some, have some hope. And... Um, uh, Last year there was um, Rach Tufnell and I, and maybe Ruth Lev um, might have been with me, I think. We went to see One Support Guys. Were you with me for that? Was it Leo? Should, all I remember, basically, we had a meeting with some guys from One Support, and, and I remember talking to this lady about, um, uh, about the, 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 the situation. One Support are a housing association in Chelmsford, and we were just linking up, talking about different things that we as a church have been involved with, and, and they were using, um, we were giving them some space in the waterfront when we had that, and we just spent some time just talking to them about what does poverty look like, and, and what are some of the effects of poverty, and, and just what, what are the common traits that they see um, with people who are suffering in, uh, of the effects of poverty poverty of social deprivation and they listed numbers of things you know things around depression and mental illness and unemployment and all these kind of things but she said you know what at the root of it all the common trait that she saw running through all of the issues was hopelessness and hopelessness will kill society it will kill individuals proverbs talks about that doesn't it and um We've got something over us as a group of people. In fact, all Christians have, but we as a church particularly feel this around Isaiah 61. And proclaiming the good news to the poor is literally us coming and taking a stand against that spirit of despair or that spirit of hopelessness. And so it's really important that we recognize the power that we have in our hope. Um, the world wants to define hope as uh, based in uncertainty. 
That's how the world defines hope. It's based in uncertainty. God defines hope as being based in certainty. It's a completely different thing. And we sometimes, maybe we just not thought this through, but we can easily slip into allowing ourselves to view hope in the same way that a godless society would. The way that the devil would want to cause us to think. You see, hope in the world's eyes is linked to... There's a dictionary definition. Uh, We like a dictionary definition. A feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen. Um, To want something to happen or to be the case. You see, that definition is based in things like feelings, desires, wishes, pipe dreams. Um, The odds. What are the chances? Uh... It's based in luck, in optimism. Um, there's some phrases, okay, that trip off our tongues sometimes. Um, fingers crossed and hope for the best. <laughs> we hear people say that, don't we? Um, uh, if, if people are in a, a situation where they need to be rescued, they say, don't give up. Don't give up hope of rescue. Let's not let hope, you know, don't give up on hope of rescue. Um, People go into sporting events with high hopes of doing well. Um, if, the, if things aren't looking likely, people can say, we haven't got a hope in hell of that happening. <laughs> um, we have these phrases, don't we? That just, but they're all rooted in uncertainty. They're not rooted in certainty. Heaven's definition is based in certainty. Um, Psalms says, Psalm 16 says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my, hope, my glory rejoices. My flesh always will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow my ho- your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. Does that sound certain or uncertain? The hope of heaven is a certain thing. Um, just when we're worshipping, this phrase just came to me. I'm trying to, trying to think about one-liners that you might remember or something, you know. Um, true hope is not the sentiment of the victim, but the posture of the victorious. Do you like that? True hope is not the sentiment of the victim, but the posture of the victorious. Things like don't, um, about having a, a hope of rescue, they're sentiments that come from people who are victims. They're, they're sentiments that come from the heart of people who don't know what the future holds, who actually want to cling on to something, even just that it might be a nice afternoon because there's nothing else to hang on to. For us, our foundation is totally, totally different. Um, so in Colossians, um, my paraphrase of Colossians 1 verse 5 <laughs> is that our faith in Jesus, this is what Paul is saying, that our faith in Jesus and our love for one another springs out of our hope, which has been stored up for us in heaven. Okay, So we as a church have prioritised a couple of things this year. We've talked about we want to prioritise intimacy with God and our love for one another, our unity together. 
In Paul's language, we could say we're prioritising faith and love. (laughs) What Paul is saying is that in order to do that, we have to recognise that that is based on, that springs from our hope. And our hope is stored up for us in heaven. Our hope is synonymous with Jesus and with what he accomplished at the cross. This is why Easter is a key time to think about hope. It's almost like, if just picture this, okay, I like different pictures and things, I was just imagining this. Um, it's like where our roots are, where the essence of who we are is rooted into Christ. You're like a hanging basket. <laughs> where everything about you is rooted into something and the fruit of that stuff flows out of that and cascades down across the earth in the form of faith and love. And so we as a church have that going on as, as we live out our lives, as we go to work, as we go to the school gate, as we do the shopping, as we engage with our family and our friends. Um, all the different things that we do in life come from the fact that we are rooted, the essence of who we are, our hope is in Christ. Um, verse 2 of he is the Lord and he reigns on high. That is my preach this morning. I wonder if you could just find the words for um, verse 2. Um, just as we sang that this morning, I just thought, oh, that's my... How many years is it since we've sung that song? And, um, and there it is in verse 2 of um, that song. Um, there you go. Yeah. Your gospel, O Lord, is the hope for our nation. You are the Lord. It's the power of God for our salvation. Our hope is not an uncertain thing. It's a certain thing. And we live from there. We live from that. It's been stored up for us in heaven. And we live because we have been seated in heavenly places with Christ. We then get to live out of that. That's what Paul is saying right at the start of Colossians 1. Um, It's obvious that the devil would want to convince us of something else. This is why the world has such a twisted definition of hope. And I've been hearing Christians talking about hope for a little while, and I haven't heard any Christians yet nailing this as redefining it. And it might just be that I haven't read the right books on it. But, um, but we've got to nail the difference between the two. Because what the devil did in Genesis with Adam and Eve was to put doubt into their mind. Was to say, are you sure? Can you really hope in him? And... What he's been doing ever since is the same thing, eroding hope, eroding the certainty of where our roots are fixed to. And so, of course, the world would have a completely different definition because it's not God's definition, it's the devil's definition. And we need to get back, we need to reclaim the word, we need to reclaim in our minds what our hope actually is because it changes everything. It puts a certainty into our step. It puts a certainty. It makes me take Joe's word for me this morning and go, of course that's the truth. And when I'm tempted to believe a lie, when I'm tempted to believe that the ground that I walk on is not fertile, is not fruitful, that the flowers aren't there, that things want to wilt and die, what I do is I go, hold on a minute, where is my hope? It's here in heaven. It's rooted to him. It's established in him. So, of course, everything that flows down from that place, from through, down through those guidelines, the message version translates this verse as saying, the guidelines of who you are are taught, stretched into the roots of heaven. 
heaven. That's where they're attached to. And so that hope keeps them tight, keeps you anchored into the truth. And that's what we're talking about this morning. And so my hope is a certain thing because Christ did go to the cross on my behalf. He did die for me. He did die as me. He did take my stuff, did take the the sinfulness of who I am on himself. And, And he did rise from the dead. He conquered sin and death and he did rise. And so hope is back in the room because Jesus is back in the room on Easter Sunday. That's why we celebrate that he's risen. And that's why this is such an important thing. Um, Ephesians 4 says this, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to the one glorious hope for the future. There is one hope. We can put our hope in all sorts of false things, but there is one true hope. Um, Now, what Paul does is he praises the Colossian church because he says, you guys have got this. You understand this. Right at the start, he says that. But then what he does is he says, now I'm going to pray some things into you because I want you to receive on top of that some more. So I want to come back to his prayer at the end as a way for us to respond. And I want to pray that into us, if that's okay. Um, So, um, right, let's just talk for a minute about... um, why it's good to fix our hope in the right thing. Um, It says in Psalm 33, a horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. And it goes on. We can put our, our hope in all sorts of different things that this earth would want to throw out. So we have hope in career, in investments, pension schemes, um, all sorts of things. We can have hope in relationships, um, the weather, as I've said. Um, But it's really important that our hope is in the most important thing. And what Paul then goes on to do in 1 Colossians is to describe who our hope is fixed to. And he has this incredible set of verses. And I just want to read them straight. I I can't add to it. I can't explain it anymore. I'm just going to read it absolutely straight. Um, So uh, this is what Paul has to say about our hope. And just as I read these verses, I want you just to sit there and say, just recognize, God, my hope is in that. How sure, how secure is that? (laughs) What an incredible thing that Paul sets out here. So... Our hope is in Christ. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. I mean, just that alone. Do you, would, could you hope in anything other than that? What would be the point? For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kings, rulers, and the authorities of the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Just when I was reading this through, I had a flash thought of my wife, who works, um, Leo, who works in um, uh, um, the Crystal Centre, which is mental health unit at Brimford Hospital. And I just had this sense that, Jesus is also supreme over things like depression and Alzheimer's and mental illness. Just because 
there's things that we don't see. There's a realm. There's a, there is a, even in the spirits, there's, there's a realm of things that we don't see, but he's also the king of that realm. He's also supreme over that realm. And so that means that he is the solution to things like mental illness, to depression, to the hopelessness that I referred to at the beginning. Um, let's go on. Um, Christ is also head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead so he is first in everything for God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself this is our hope folks everything gets reconciled to him he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross there's no point hoping in anything else He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. That's our hope. This includes you. If you've got any doubt about this, the everything includes us. It includes you. This includes you who once were far from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he's brought you into his own presence. This is the roots of where you live. This is the roots of where your hope is. He's brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Isn't that rich? Isn't that incredible? We don't need to hope in other things. Because it's all here. The certainty of it is just incredible. It redefines the way we view this word. Um, it doesn't stop there. Because <laughs> what Paul then goes on to do... How am I doing for time? Okay. Um, Paul goes on to talk about the mystery of the gospel that's been hidden through all the Old Testament, through the ages, the gospel that's been hidden, the mystery of it is that Christ is now in us. He's in you. All of this hope, all of this definition of who Jesus is has now come and found its dwelling place inside you. And that's the hope of glory. Um, Glory can be one of those words that we go, hang on, that sounds really amazing. What does it mean? Why is that significant? Um, if we think about glory for a second as, an, as the unspoken manifestation of God's presence, the unspoken manifestation of God's presence, okay, just, I know there's other definitions for glory, but just have that one for a second. If our hope is a sure expectation, a certain expectation, then actually heaven's hope is that there is a certain, a sure expectation of the manifest presence of God being revealed through you. God's hope is in you, (laughs) is in us. And that's not to scare us or to put us under pressure, but he is hope and he's put his hope in us. And that hope then is that the rest of the world will get to see it. Um, 
Rachel Spring referred to the Passion Translation last week. And um, I just want to read the next few verses from that translation just because um, it really helps just to put it in modern language. Um, so uh, here's the ne- the, these verses. This is verse 26 and 27. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the richest of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. Inside you is a treasure chest. Heaven's treasure chest is inside us. And we get the privilege of just lifting the lid and allowing the world to see, allowing the world to discover hope that is not based on uncertainty, hope that is not based on fear, hope that takes people from being victims to being victorious. Do you see? It's really important that our hope, that we don't get swept along with the devil's version of hope. You know, why do people buy lottery tickets? Because they've got nothing else. They've got no other hope of change coming to their life. But we've got a treasure chest. And his name's Jesus. And he lives in here. Um, so when we, <laughs> when we speak to people, let's say that someone is ill, and we say, I hope you get better, we can either release a vain hope, an uncertain hope of, we can actually speak over them, I'm not sure if you're going to get better, but I'd like you to get better. Okay, that's the best that the world has to offer. Or, we can, when we say, I hope you get better, we can say, my Jesus went to the cross to conquer sin and death and sickness. And therefore, what I'm releasing over you is his power that you will be well. Because my sure and certain hope is that he is seated in heavenly places and that I am seated with him, that he did rise from the dead and therefore his power is available to you today because I'm here and I'm there and therefore I'm a conduit for what was, is there to come here and transform your situation. And that's why your sickness needs to leave. We don't just say, I hope you get well because we haven't got time to pray for you. Because sometimes that's what we do, you know. You get a text message from someone that says they're sick. And you don't want to sound all holy and, you know, super spiritual. So you don't say, oh, I'm praying for you. You just say, I hope you get better. That's nonsense. Your hopes are prayers. The things that you hope for, because they're rooted in Christ, they are prayers. In fact, you can't ever... I'm just robbing you of permission to use the word hope. (laughs) 
<laughs> in a way, anything other now. You've got responsibility to use the word hope well, properly, haven't you? You've got responsibility now to use the word hope as God defines it and not partnering with the devil and use it the way he wants to define it. Um, I'm sorry if that's too harsh. I'm sorry if you weren't expecting that this morning, but this is a powerful word. This is God's word. He says at the end of, um, of 1 Corinthians 13 that faith, hope, and love remain. So our faith, our hope, and our love remain. That means our hope remains. The power, the essence of God is our hope, and that remains. And if we are going to move forward as a group of people in our intimacy with him and our love for one another, then having this definition squared, put right as a foundation block for us, actually, we know now we're going to be successful. Because it's not just, you know what, I hope that our relationships as a church get better. I hope that we get a home group structure sorted out that works for us. I hope we have enough money to go on and do all that we want to do. It's, it's not an insecure thing anymore. Suddenly, it's we know. We know there's going to be enough money. We know that there's going to be enough in terms of relationships and structures of doing things that are going to bring life to us. We know because our hope rests in him. Okay, just to finish off, I'm just going to go back to this prayer that Paul prayed. Um, now, even his prayer has got three points. So um, we'll try and whiz through them, but it, it's good stuff, okay? And um, you're doing really well, by the way. I feel like you're really with me. And um, you know sometimes when you preach and you're like, oh, I wonder if people are with me. I can feel that you're really with me on this. And um, like we're doing something good this morning. Um, uh, so what did Paul pray for? Okay, I'm just, um, we're not going to go through the verses. I'm just going to um, keep it nice and short and sweet. Number one, he prays that there is for the Colossian church to receive knowledge of his will, spiritual wisdom and understanding. What does that mean? It means that Paul prays that the Holy Spirit would reveal to them, because any time it talks about spiritual, it's really talking about Holy Spirit. So a spiritual, there will be a spirit revelation. The Holy Spirit would reveal... God's love for them and for everyone else. That's what the, those verses are saying. Okay? So the first thing he prays for, even though he starts off by praising them, saying, you guys are great. You guys are great because I can see that your hope is secure and out of that has come your faith in God and your love for one another. However, I'm going to pray that you receive even more because there are greater revelations of his hope for us to experience. And that's why this morning's exciting, because there is more for us. So he wants us to know even more fully by the Holy Spirit, he wants the Holy Spirit to reveal to you of the Father's love for you, of his purposes for your life, that they are good. Because, you know, we've talked about the goodness of God and about the finished work of the cross, and about everyone being significant, and about everything being possible. If our hope is secure, then actually those things... Oh, sorry, let me put it another way around. Those statements redefine hope. If you are convinced of the goodness of God, that redefines hope. It takes it from uncertainty to certainty. If you're convinced about what Christ accomplished for you on the cross, then it takes you from a place of uncertainty to certainty. If you're convinced that every single person on the planet is significant, and not just the people that know God now, (laughs) 
but everyone is significant to him, that they are all his children, whether they're lost or found. If you're convinced about that, then your hope changes. If you're convinced that God truly is a God of the impossible, then your hope really changes. Because it means you can look into the face of, a, of, a, of an impossible situation and you can look past it and you can see that actually God is bigger than that. Because your hope is up here and not down there. So it changes it. Okay? So he wants us to have a revelation of his love, the enormity of his love, in just the way I described it. That's the first thing, and the Holy Spirit does that. Secondly, um, he wants them to live in step like Adam and Eve did in the garden. And we can read this as a, you, you now need to do this, this and this. I want to go back to that passion translation of mentioning the treasure chest. Our responsibility now, because we've got this information, we've got this revelation, is to open the chest. And that's what Paul says. He says, guys, your responsibility now is to let this out. It's to allow your hope to bear fruit. Allow that, that to, to cascade down. Become the most beautiful version of the hanging basket that you can be. Because our roots are not on the earth becoming the best the world's definition can be. It's the best that heaven's definition can be for the earth. Do you see? So that's the next thing he prays for, is that we would know um, a fruitfulness in our lives. And then lastly... Okay, the last thing he prays has got five points. <laughs> I really should have had slides tonight. It would have helped you. I'm, I'm sorry I haven't. Um, there is a quintet of things that he wants. Nice word, hey? Woo! Um, there is a quintet of blessings that he wants for us. I can't get away with using words like that, can I? I can't pull it off. All right. Okay, number one, power. He wants you to know power. Okay, I want us to know power. The Holy Spirit comes to, we've said this before, the comforter is not just to bring comfort after the event, it's to pour strength and power into you before the event. That's what the word comfortist actually means. He comes to pour power into you so that you'll have strength to overcome the obstacle rather than just to, to be consoled afterwards. So he wants you to know power. Secondly, um, endurance. God wants us to endure you know, right now as a church, um, where there are things that might be difficult for us, he's saying, don't worry, because your roots are there. You can endure. You can endure all things. Your hopes aren't dashed, because your hopes aren't in vain things. Your hope is in a secure thing, and therefore endure. Stand up underneath it. Don't sit down. Don't become a victim, because you are in um, Christus Victor, you are in the victorious one. You're in him. So don't ap- adopt a posture that is anything other than endurance. So know that. Um, the next one is patience. What comes with enduring is patience, isn't it? Sometimes it just takes a while. Do we like it? Not really. Is it beneficial? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> So, patience is the next thing. But don't worry, because what comes with patience is his next one, because he knows that no one really likes it, but his next one is joy. (laughs) Hooray! Now, Paul can write this stuff from prison, okay? So he really does have um, the... the, the, um, What's the word? Uh, The credibility to, to, to know this, okay? It's not from a palace that he's writing, it's from prison. So he, he wants us to experience his joy. That even if there's tough stuff, 
Even if there's the odd shipwreck, even if there's the odd broken tooth, um, I hope not. Um, but that we would know his endurance, his patience and his joy. And so we, I want to release that as well in a moment. And then lastly, um, thankfulness for our salvation. And this is why it's a great thing to talk about right before Easter. Let's just be grateful. We know him. He's your dad. For heaven's sake. (laughs) Isn't it? I mean, that's just something to be thankful for. Just to be grateful for. Um, And so he wants us to live our lives in thanksgiving. That's what he prays over the Colossian church. Yeah, tough stuff might be tough. Just be thankful. Just be grateful. You've got Jesus in you. How bad is it? You know, the promise of salvation that's not just for for eternity, but also for today. How bad is it really going to get? Because he's supreme over everything. And if we're in the one that's supreme over everything, then that means that there's nothing left outside. (laughs) Okay. um, uh, Can I pray? I feel like I'm sort of slightly running on uh, adrenaline now. And I think I might just need to simmer down a little bit. So let's just let the Holy Spirit just come and uh, watch over us. Can we just stand? If there's any part of what I've said this morning that has excited you, that you want for yourself, then now's the opportunity just to say, Jesus, can I have that? Can I have that? Okay? So I'm just going to pray us through what Paul asked the Colossian church to have from Father God. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are overwhelmingly good. I thank you there's no doubt. You've taken away every doubt. And so we can stand here this morning totally convinced of your goodness. That you are the best dad there could possibly ever be. You set the standard of what good looks like. It's not defined by an earthly concept. You literally define goodness. There's no darkness in you. Thank you that you're so good. And so Lord, I want to pray that every one of us here this morning would have a fresh encounter with you of knowing your love. Lord, what you started last week with us, of you just ministering to us, letting your love wash over us in deeper ways. I want to pray for that to carry on. I want to pray that this morning would be a catalyst for more of that and not a detraction from it. Let love rise up in us your love. Let's have a fresh revelation of it, Lord, and your love for the world that don't yet know you. Lord, thank you that you love everyone, that your heart is for everyone to come to know you, that it was, that it was with all of them in your mind that you sent Jesus to the cross, not just those of us who know it today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I want to pray as well that we would know that our treasure chest doesn't have a lock on it. The only thing that would lock the lid shut on our treasure chest is fear. And so I want to break fear off of us this morning, that we would let the hope of glory be revealed. A manifestation of the presence of God would tumble out of each one of us, that we would know without any level of doubt that we are in you, but that you are in us. You've chosen to manifest yourself in us. And so, Lord, I pray for that treasure chest. I pray for treasure chest moments (laughs) around um, our lives this week, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our relationships, 
at the school gates, for our children in their classrooms and in the playground. We pray for treasure chest moments. And Lord Jesus, I want to pray that we would know your power as we do that. We would know what it is to be strengthened with power. We know what it is to be empowered by you. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that um, this is a work of you. We don't do this without the Holy Spirit. We thank you that hope directly is fed to us by you, Holy Spirit. And uh, Lord, I want to pray that we would stand up under it, that there would be endurance for us, that our posture would be one of standing, of enduring. There is nothing that the world can throw at us that can knock us off our feet because you are our sure and certain hope. You're our foundation. Jesus, I want to pray that we would be able to be patient. Lord, that right now, I pray even with, with one another around the church, pray that we just wouldn't be full of accusation or judgment. I pray that we would be abounding in love. We know that love is patient. So I pray your patience would just be brimming over. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you that your joy is totally and utterly available to us. And Paul prayed that that church, and so we claim it for us, that we would have joy pumped into us. I want to thank you that actually one of my roles um, is to bring joy. And one of our roles as a group of people is to bring joy. So you've made all of us to be joy bringers because the gospel is good news, not just okay news. The gospel is good news, so it has to be accompanied with joy. Because when you hear good news, it makes you rejoice. And we rejoice this morning. And Lord, I want to pray that we would simply enjoy. And as we enjoy, that we would thank you. That we would be so grateful for our salvation. Lord, how privileged are we that today we know you. That there's people who tomorrow are going to meet you and today don't know you. But Lord, we stand here today knowing you. And we've got a track record with you of knowing you yesterday as well and the day before and probably the day before that. And Lord, I just thank you that we are so privileged, so blessed. Jesus, would you cause thanksgiving to rise up in us that we would be so grateful. Lord, that we'd be so grateful for this church that you've brought us into. We are an incredible family, so blessed by you. Lord, we we don't realize what we have sometimes. And so, Lord, I pray that we'd be brimming over with thanksgiving. Lord, but I I thank you that we are ever grateful and expectant for the future. Lord, I want to declare over us good days. Lord, because we know our hope is secure, we know that we can look towards the future with an expectation that is full of hope, full of certainty, full of assurance. Lord, and that causes faith to rise in our hearts and causes love to brim over. So thank you, Jesus, that the good days are ahead and not just behind. Thank you, Jesus, as the psalm says, you don't abandon us, but you lead us into life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, I am done. And um, uh, I don't know if I'm handing back to Jules or if you want to go and collect your children, that'd be wonderful. If there's any specific thing you want prayer for, please come up to the front. Grab me, grab Jules, grab one of the others. And um, we would love to pray for you um, and see breakthrough because of everything that I've just preached on. God bless you. See you later.